1: Since its debut in October 1975, NBC's Saturday Night Live has introduced dozens of memorable recurring characters into the pop culture zeitgeist, from Roseanne Rosanna Dana to Mary Catherine Gallagher to Wild and Crazy Guys to Stefan. Even as the show itself goes through peaks and valleys, these characters continue to live rent-free in our minds long after their legendary skits are retired. Now the great pop culture debate wants to determine what is the best SNL recurring character of all time. I'm so glad that we could all be here together. I need to share with you that it's official. I can't have kids. (laughs) I'm your host, Eric Resniak, and please help me welcome this panel for the episode, none of whom are Debbie Downers. She likes to kick, stretch, and kick. She's ready, it's Ama Marfo. I'm not one of those ladies who lies about being excited. Let's go. (laughs) Well, that's, I'm nearly 50, and I need to start stretching and kicking more. <laughs> Next, New York's hottest club is Derek Makita. This
2: place has everything. Crippling anxiety, Chigamon Nuggets, a Linda Richmond impersonator.
1: Who's Linda Richmond?
2: We'll get to that.
1: <laughs> Wait. Is that Miley Cyrus in the corner? No, it's just a pile of cast offs from the Salvation Army. <laughs> next, he, <laughs> next, he has literally recorded an episode of this podcast in a van down by the river. It's Jim Zadzik.
3: And knowing that and a nickel gets you a hot cup of Jack
1: Squat!
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the
2: Frickin' Dog! <laughs>
1: All right. And finally, she didn't make the East Lake cheerleading team, but she's still working
4: on the perfect cheer. It's Carissa Claus. U G L Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. It's still a work in progress. Mother, is that you?
1: <laughs> anyway, so before we get on to the debates, how does this work? We made a poll of dozens of recurring SNL characters from throughout the show's history. Note that we deliberately excluded impersonations of actual people that may be a future debate for the podcast. For our purpose. Purposes, the characters/skits must have appeared on SNL over at least three episodes to be considered recurring. Our listeners picked the favorites. We tallied their votes. We ranked the picks by popularity and added them to a bracket. Now we argue about it and insult each other, all for your amusement. Want to play along at home? You can. Head to greatpopculturedebate.com and go to polls and brackets. There you'll find the downloadable listener brackets for this and every episode of our little show. Do your picks match up with ours? Like DeAndre Cole, are you saying, what's up with that? Let us know by dropping a comment on this episode at our website or by yelling at us on Twitter, Instagram, or Mastodon. If you're curious about how we went from the top 32 down to the sweet 16, become a Patreon supporter of our podcast. Our patrons at the $5 level or higher get exclusive access to the warm-up slash part ones for each each episode in which we work our way through all of round one. It's like a whole bonus episode for each topic and includes arguments you won't hear anywhere else. And that's just one of our great Patreon perks. With that long and unsatisfying opening monologue out of the way, (laughs) let's move on to these debates. First in a matchup of classic SNL duos, we have a unanimous decision as ultimate one seed Wayne and Garth will party on and five seed the Blues Brothers have hit the road. Does anybody want to improvise a little on the Blues Brothers or we really didn't talk about them at all in round one. Anyone have any
4: thoughts? I, I think, um, a sidebar, that both of the, these sketches have a car that we talked about in our Best Pop Culture Car yes. episode, the Mirthmobile mm-hmm. and, the, and the Bluesmobile. So um, that's cool. But yeah, Wayne and Garth for, I think, most of us. And it might be arguable that they're the
3: two best SNL movie spinoffs as well.
4: Mm. Yes. 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 It-
1: Was Blues Brothers the first movie spinoff? I think it, it was, had, had to have been early. early. Oh, yeah.
4: Coneheads was an earlier sketch, yeah, was, maybe? But, but the, movie the, early. Early. The, yeah, first, the movie yeah. was late. Like, the movie came late. Yeah, the movie was like 20 years later, almost. Yeah. And, I, and yeah. I will give the
0: sequel edge to Wayne's World, because <laughs> Blues Brothers 2000 was not
1: good. No, but we will say Blues Brothers, the original, did kind of revive the career of Aretha Franklin and several other yes, artists it did. who yes, it did. had kind of Fallen off the radar. I mean, not, I mean, Aretha never fell off the radar, but like <laughs> it brought her back to great. Uh, public acclaim and launched her for a tremendously successful 80s. So from that perspective, it's great, whereas Wayne's World gave us Tia Carrere, and I can't be <laughs> mad about that. So, <laughs> Next, another SNL classic, Three Seed the Coneheads. We were just talking about them. Are feeling the burn of two seed Spartan cheerleaders? Carissa, take a tumbling pass to secure the cheerleaders a spot in round three. I will probe the possibilities of further alien encounters with the Coneheads. Carissa, go first.
4: So the Spartan cheerleaders never actually made the. Squad. Um, it is Will Ferrell and Sherry O'Terry as Craig and Ariana, um, always working, practicing their cheers, and also working on the perfect cheer. Um, showing up for events that probably don't need cheerleaders, like <laughs> chess matches, um, swim meets, wrestling matches. And um, they inspired several many imitations and parodies. When I was trying to do my research for this, there really isn't a lot that you can access, at least legally, um, via SNL, Peacock, and YouTube. It's mostly people recreating the sketches themselves for um, high school talent shows and things like that. Um, they, They have several many fun rhymes, including sex can wait, masturbate. Um, Always there's a lot of things about Craig never wanting to take off his shirt because his nipples are the size of dinner plates. Um, They talk about their summer jobs. They are always talking about their inadequacies but also ultimately hopeful about the future and what it might hold for them and unendingly cheerful. Um, There's just something about this friend duo that is so sweet and so real. And also as someone who was a cheerleader in the nineties, we fully took a lot of their stuff and did it ourselves. <laughs> I also never made varsity. So we were the JV team. No one cared what we did. And that gave us a lot of freedom. <laughs> so they they always have a soft spot for me. <laughs> amazing so uh
1: from heartwarming and, and likable to the coneheads um, um if you listen to part one of our podcast you would have heard Derek do an amazing job running down all the facts about the coneheads which I'm now going to do for you because we had the identical talking points so uh first this is one of the oldest skits slash recurring characters on this bracket they first appeared in 1977 and they ran through 1979 uh they were a family of aliens, who came to Earth as advanced spies for an invasion, but who generally suck at their job and just forgot to do it. Uh, Dan Aykroyd plays Father Beldar, Jane Curtin plays wife Primit, and Lorraine Newman played daughter, teen daughter Connie. They had, as you might imagine, giant cone heads, they spoke in clipped tones, and ate huge qu- amounts of food as well as other items that humans can't digest, and that was kind of the gag. Mm. Um, the thing that's weird from us now is, like, there was something so surreal and just bonkers about the Coneheads that I think encapsulates early SNL there was no format there was no like oh it's like this they were inventing it all by themselves and I think that's where the Coneheads has an edge in that this was wholly original I mean it was 100% fueled by Dan Aykroyd's massive pot use (laughs) um and he admits that but there is something zany and you know when the show debuted it was called the not ready for primetime players right like The Coneheads are the definition of not ready for prime time. (laughs) But that being said, they were popular enough to not only get their own feature film in the early 90s, nearly 20 years after they had stopped appearing on this show, but they had their own Marvel comic book, their own Rankin-Bass animated special. They had a line of action figures that literally no one bought. (laughs) Um, Was it funny? I don't know. Was it novel? Absolutely. Was it kind of charming? Sure. I will say that it was never boring and it didn't outlast its welcome. And um, again, that wacky kind of stoner-induced origin is quintessential early SNL for me. And am I partially voting for this because the name of their home planet, Remulac, sounds like my last name? Maybe I am. Um, I'm going to put it to a vote. Ama, where are you on this?
0: I am giving it to... Spartan cheerleaders.
1: All right. Is there a reason?
0: (laughs) I think when I, again, and we'll talk about this a couple times, it came up in round one. Um, When you think about some of the sketches that you grew up with, like, I think I was just too young for the Coneheads movie, Mm -hmm. but the Spartan cheerleaders was like in my sweet spot of when my parents let me stay up with them to watch SNL. So it's one of the first ones. Um, It imprinted on me more deeply. So Sure. There's
1: a bit of nostalgia in that vote, but I'll take it. Nostalgia is a very powerful motivator for, I think, almost all of our debates. And I think this one is no exception. Um, Derek, where are you on this? Yeah,
2: I mean, I I know I argued um, passionately for the Coneheads in round one, um, but I'm looking at this through the lens of which is the better SNL sketch. And for me, that's the Spartan cheerleaders.
1: Okay. Uh, Jim, where are you?
3: Hmm. That's a, that,
2: lots of good arguments. Now,
3: um, reoccurring characters, are focus. Um, I, I like your argument, Eric, about the, uh, the, the absurdity of it and how it really, it's a good, good representation of that early SNL for sure. Um, and my, I lean more towards other Will Ferrell skits. So that, personally the, the Spartans wasn't my thing. Um, so I think I'll, I'll stick with Coneheads for this one.
1: Okay, uh, I believe we're still three for Spartan cheerleaders and two for Coneheads, correct? Mm -hmm. So the cheerleaders will advance. Okay. two more unanimous victories as one seed Stefan has a weekend update for four seed target lady. She's out of the competition. And two seed NPR lady slash the delicious dish had all the fiber they needed to push out six seed drunk uncle. (laughs) Next in an upset from round one, it's eight seed Brian Fellows from Safari Planet which will have unanimous support in fending off the advances of four seed the fest drunk brothers, aka two wild and crazy guys. Now in a battle of two people giving very different kinds of advice (laughs) (laughs) Two-seed Linda Richman has the edge over three-seed Stuart Smalley. Derek, let me give you a topic. Linda Richman is neither Linda, the Spanish word for pretty, nor a rich man. Talk amongst ourselves on why she should still (laughs) advance to round three. Carissa, put on a cardigan and speak gently about why Stuart Smalley is good enough and smart enough to make it to round three.
4: I'm going to have Carissa go first. Um, So I spoke a lot about Stuart Smalley in in round one um which you should definitely listen to there's a lot there for this episode for sure um he was a brainchild of El franken it's a daily affirmation show that's part of uh public access cable television he's not a therapist but is a member of several 12-step programs um including al-anon and also overeaters anonymous and uses a lot of the generic platitudes from those um with abandon in this show. Um does a lot of um holiday themed episodes along with so it's like he either has a guest or it's a holiday. Um there's one where he is wearing a very deep green d- deep V green cardigan or just over cardigan, I guess, um, over his shirt. And it's a St. Patrick's day episode. There's one that's Halloween and his shirt underneath has a print of a skeleton on it, which he says makes him feel skinny. Um, it's just, (laughs) it's a guy who is trying to, um, pump up other people while pumping up himself softly and gently. And, and it's very full of forgiveness and also constantly bringing up trauma of childhood, uh, a terrible family dynamics, and also the things that drive you into the twelve step programs for overeaters and Al-Anon, or Al-Anon teen, or Al-Anon, um, yeah, for for families of people with addictions. Um, a lot of the things he says are things like. Only you can help you. And, you know, in a lot of ways, that still is evergreen content for us. So there's something gentle and lovely about him. Whether the movie uh, should be considered here is questionable. Um, it was one of the least successful things that did move outside of the show, but it moved outside of the show in several mediums. There's a book and an audiobook, And, yeah, the movie Stuart Saves His Family, and, um, And also we talked a little bit in round one about how this is probably the precursor and inspiration for Jack Handy's deep thoughts, which is sort of Stuart Smalley in a very small nutshell. Um, So yeah, there's, there's something lovely and gentle about him here. Speaking of lovely and gentle, let's talk about Linda Richman.
1: Uh, Derek, why don't you take it away?
2: Buckle up, bubbles. Okay. So (laughs) to say that Linda Richman is my favorite recurring SNL character would be a serious understatement. I have two spirit animals in this life. Their names are (laughs) Dorothy Zbornak and Linda Richman. Um, I have been personally curating pieces to honor Linda Richman as a signature drag look of mine for the last few years. Um, Mike Myers based Linda Richmond on his real life mother-in-law, with an obsessive love for her hero, Barbara Jones Streisand, a good command of Yiddish phrases, and the most iconic New York Jewish accent this side of the East River. Um, <laughs> having grown up in North Jersey in the 80s and 90s, I knew this accent well because, like Linda, we would also sit and talk and have coffee. You know, no big whoop. Her famously teased out hair, iconic glitter sweaters, and gaudy gold jewelry were an absolute staple of... Of the older women in my family, which is why I will always love her so much. Um, In each appearance of Coffee Talk, the host, Linda Richmond, will tell us that the regular host, Paul Baldwin, was suffering from a nasty case of spielkiss in his Genektica Zoink, but that he's in Boca Raton, Florida, recovering very nicely. Thank you very much. She would encourage her audience to call her up at 555-4444 to inevitably talk about recent moments in Barbara's career from the iconic film Prince of Tides to her voice being like butter. She would also make light jokes about people raised in interfaith families like a child with Methodist and Jewish parents being called a mushu to a... To, to a child with Catholic and Jewish parents, being called a cashew. Um, <laughs> the, the high point of this recurring sketch will always be this one episode in 1992, in which Madonna and Roseanne Barr joined Mike Myers as a bickering mother and daughter. And just when we thought that was the crescendo of the sketch, we get a walk-in cameo by none other than Barbara Jones Streisand herself. <laughs> um, that's it. I'm getting. I'm getting. Oh my god! Oh my god!
1: I can't. I'm happy. getting a little. I can fr- oh my happy god! Now.
2: I'm getting a little verklempt. Talk talk amongst yourselves. She'll give you any number of topics from Dr. Pepper was neither a doctor nor a pepper to the Holy Roman Empire was neither holy nor Roman nor an empire. Discuss. Mike Myers as Linda Richman can even made a cameo appearance at a real Barbra Streisand concert on New Year's Eve in Las Vegas in 1993 she must move forward here if she doesn't it's okay i'll just sit here like a dog no big whoops it's not like i'm like she's my everything i mean who am i nobody <laughs> <laughs>
1: Good gentlemen clap for that hooker that, was, that, that goes down as one of the like most steamrolling arguments I think in the history of this podcast thank you Derek I'm gonna put it to a vote Amma where are you I'm sorry I forgot who we were who is this against
4: exactly
1: Exactly. towards exactly. Smalley yes I'm giving it to Linda you're giving it to <laughs> Linda uh, Jim where are you on this all one all coffee talk mm-hmm all coffee yeah. talk you talk about it we'll call me we, we'll talk no big whoop okay we're gonna give it to Linda I think thank you Carissa you did I mean, a great
4: job I'm with Linda here too, <laughs> okay. it's, it's too I mean they're both kind of a similar thing it's a oh, talk yeah. show-ish mm-hmm. kind of thing but like talk amongst yourselves will give you a topic is a thing that like literally I, I lead a weekly meeting at work and that has come up in that. <laughs> in <there> too absolutely <laughs>
1: It's like butter. It's like butter. Okay, we're going to advance Linda Richmond Next, in another quasi-themed battle, two very enthusiastic women are vying for a spot in round three. Currently taking the lead, possibly thanks to an assist from Jesus, is one seed the church lady. But five seed Mary Catherine Gallagher could have an underdog moment and bust out of Catholic school to shine. Ama, why do you want Mary Catherine to experience the smell of success? Jim, explain why the church lady should advance, and anyone who disagrees could be... mm, I don't know. Satan. I'm gonna have Amma go first.
0: So following Derek's lead and talking about how considering favorite characters will factor into this, Mary Catherine Gallagher is one of my favorite things that SNL has ever done. Uh as a human being, I have repeated Halloween costumes twice in my life. Um, in third and fourth grade, I was Jack Skellington from The Nightmare Before Christmas in a costume that I made myself because there were no mass manufactured ones. I'm Iconic. And then in seventh... Thank you. And then in seventh and eighth grade, I was Mary Catherine Gallagher. Amazing. I was not a glasses wearer at the time. I procured glasses specifically to be her. Um, <laughs> it's just... It's... It was so... It was really like kind of earth shattering for me in the sense of like, it was this girl who has a lot of feelings and just doesn't feel like she fits and is like, I want to be amazing. I want everybody to love me. I want, and just did not really know what to do with those feelings. I am a woman in her mid to late thirties who still feels that way all the time. (laughs) And it was just like the first time I kind of saw that. Um, And then if we're talking about uh, the impact of movie adaptations, while superstar is not a good movie, (laughs) i really 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 enjoy it um so molly shannon comes in mark mckinney uh from previous snl cast comes back uh johns of mary poppins shows up as her grandmother uh will ferrell sky corrigan her crush um as well as jesus um who (laughs) always floats into spirit in the sky (laughs) And Harlan Williams plays like her eventual other love interest. And it is just, it's so fun and so dumb. And then if we're going to talk about seismic celebrity cameos, the Christmas episode with Mary Catherine Gallagher that featured Rosie O'Donnell and Penny Marshall and Whitney Houston, and come to find out she did not make it to rehearsal. They did not know if she was (laughs) going to be there on time. And then like, she basically showed up, read it and was like, amazing and then participated and it was wonderful and that again like seismic cameo and to be able to pull that kind of star power means she has to have been doing something special so i don't know if i'm gonna win this but i could not not speak up for something that meant so much to me
1: you did an amazing job. And I wanna make two points before I hand it over to Jim. Number one, I'm actually gonna say it. I think Superstar is a good movie. I think it is better than it has any right to be. I remember like dismissing it when it came out in theater and then it came out on DVD. And Bob I don't, Bob, do we watch it together? Take a drink. Um that movie is hilarious. It's and we so still funny. quote it constantly. Like uh The Amazing, what's his name? The Amazing timmy my brother i can't think Dill of it, it. D- yeah dylan my brother, my brother. <laughs> and uh, if i tell you to booga booga <laughs> you, better boogas, you better figure it out figure it out yeah it's amazing <laughs> it's a funny movie and then we we talked a lot in round one and, and uh, about how much we were sad to lose the uh chris farley's the bill hartman's the um Who am I forgetting? The Gilda Gilda Ragnars. Thankfully, Molly Shannon is still with us. And let's hope that that continues for a very long time. But Molly Shannon's career has not progressed the way that I believe that it should have. And like, what a key player in SNL. Mm -hmm. And just smashed this show and oh, drag race analogy I know if you listen to this show you're shocked wow. Eric's bringing everybody's drag race <laughs> there are drag queens who are amazing at drag and drag queens who are great at drag race right Molly Shannon is a comedian who is amazing at SNL she just yes. killed it on this show yeah she, was, uh, she like, was
0: exceptional at it
1: yeah and so whatever happens here I did just want to have a moment where we talk like Molly Shannon is in my opinion one of the all time greats of, of SNL in history. With that being said, Jim, I'm going to hand it to you to talk about one of the other undisputed mm-hmm. all-time greats in national history, right. Dana Carvey and the Church Lady. Yeah,
3: and I would actually argue that perhaps uh, maybe it is Dana Carvey's most recognizable character, even over Garth. Um, that this this character we had said in the previous, uh, in the other, in the uh, part one, a little bit about how like he's you know he's approached and uh, people will be saying, uh, well, isn't that special? And how convenient to him. Uh, right 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 to his face um you know this this enid, enid strict is her uh, real name the church lady uh re- it's a great uh, yeah a reoccurring character um from 1986 to 1990 and then again in 1996 2000 2011 2016 also appearing on the dana carvey show which some people watched maybe i don't know <laughs> the, docu- the documentary is really good um so it's it's a very iconic character. Um, the catchphrases. The what a divine um, kind of intervention that put the church lady against Mary Catherine, right? Um, right. We have uh, it's an interesting comparison. You also mentioned uh, the uh christmas themed episodes i think the one the one joke that i think is the most memorable to me is the um moving around the letters of santa to spell (laughs) do you could it be satan you know (laughs) i don't know seeing that as a kid i just thought that was the funniest thing ever like i never thought of it that way for some reason and it was just like oh my god it's the it's the best um so I don't know. I, I, I spent more time finding sound bites for this uh, than doing the research on the church lady. But I think, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it's just a, a, such a classic character and reoccurring and really, um, you know, one of the best in my opinion.
1: So I'm going to go to votes here. Uh, Derek, where are you on this one?
2: This is really tough for me. Cause I love the church lady. Like I, I love her. Um, I do think Amma has swayed me though and I think I am going to go. Yeah, I'm going to switch my vote.
1: Interesting, Carissa, where are you on this one?
4: My feelings can best be expressed by a monologue from <laughs> from the TV movie. <laughs> I was Mary Catherine here.
1: Wow, okay, so I think you have successfully uh, swung. If we are taking the church lady out, I do want to have a moment to talk about something when I was doing my research for this episode. It struck me, number one, those church lady episodes or skits are dense. Like they may be like seven minutes long. But they feel way longer because they were really political. And it was like at the perfect time in the zeitgeist where they were doing like the Jerry Falwell scandals. They were doing the Tammy Faye and and Bill Baker scandals. Jim Baker, not Bill Baker, excuse me. Jim Baker, yeah. And and, like they were – and mind you, all their SNL cast members generally were doing those guys. And they were great. The Jimmy Swagger. It's like it was – at the perfect time. Dana Carvey was very good at it, but they, I'm not sure for those of you who are listening, being like, are you kidding me? You're taking the church lady out now. Go back and watch the skits. They are slow and they just kind of keep going. And to me, they're actually less comedic than they are making very pointed political statements about the hypocrisy in. Uh, evangelical leadership, which, I mean, look at us now reaping the fruits of that. <laughs> but back in the late 80s, early 90s, that was not something that generally was being talked about. And uh, this is probably an overstatement, but the way that Jon Stewart used comedy to make young people care about politics with The Daily Show a decade later, I would argue that Dana Carvey was doing that. And whoever else was writing this skit, I'm sure it wasn't just Dana Carvey, was doing that to make people bring attention to a real cultural rot in in the evangelicals church on Saturday Night Live, which started, you know, 20 years prior as bong jokes and cone heads, right? Like, it's kind of wild. Well, and to uh, your
0: point about the influence of it on The Daily Show, I would argue it was also an entree into Saturday Night Live being relevant in the political mm-hmm. sphere, because yeah. that came way later and i think this was one of the first times that they started to be like no we have something of substance to say about this like they had had presidential impersonations and those continued and like but they started having more and more influence on politics over time and i do think that the church lady did play a part in that
1: yeah mm-hmm. i think that's so true so part of my rubric was um again the iconic nature of it number 2 uh did it kind of go outside of the show i would argue both of these properties went outside of the show Church Lady never got her own movie, which is kind of a missed opportunity, although I couldn't tell you what that would be. Um, and then uh, the catchphrases. Both of them have that. In some ways, they're very equal. Um, yeah. Dana Carvey. I, I Actually, again, these matchups keep happening like kismet. Dana Carvey also probably should have had a much bigger career coming out of SNL than he did, just like Molly Shannon. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: <clears throat> Um, It doesn't matter what I vote, I think, already, Mm because because Mary Catherine Gallagher is advancing, um, which is an upset. But I don't think it's wrong. I think if we're talking about funnier skits, Mary Catherine Gallagher is, in fact, funnier than the church leader. It's just church leader may have more optics, but Catherine Gallagher is funnier. So wild times uh it could be satan that's all i'm just gonna say about that we will be advancing mary Catherine gallagher finally it's an explosive matchup between bomb prone three seed mcgruber and two seed the ambiguously gay duo who are also used to having things erupt in their faces carissa fist your way to justice by pushing ace and gary and the ambiguously gay duo i will try to defuse the situation by cutting wires from mcgruber carissa i'm gonna have you go first
4: um yeah, Ambiguously Gay Duo is the only animated piece that's on here so technically as we mentioned in round 1 isn't live um but it's so funny that I think it deserves to be here. And when it was happening, I was I was this was one of the sketches that was part of regular um, rotation when I was in my sweet spot with Saturday Night Live. And it felt like a breath of fresh air and kind of a welcome break, a very kind of different thing. Um and also for me as a high schooler, uh, it was very educational. <laughs> it was um, cultural and terminology and things that I was kind of like, "Wait, what? Wait, what? That's like, what is everybody looking at?" Um, <laughs> and it's you know, two friends who are and. Amb- ambiguously gay we don't know and um as was i believe eric mentioned in the first round um the villains are never really doing villainous things other than trying to figure out are they aren't they what's happening with these two um friend of a friend Kind of people. And th- there's just so much ridiculous um, sight gags from the shape of their car to just uh, also their like weird um, outfits. I don't even want to say unitards. I don't know. Th- but they're packing something in those um, little shorts. And it's just. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things that really plays on you know comic stuff, uh, Batman and Robin, the superhero kind of duo type things, as well as just intense double entendres, like every single sentence. Um, plus the visual jokes too. So yeah, as an educational program, um, I'm all in for ambiguously gay duo here.
1: Excellent. So as I'm repping for MacGruber, I think it's only appropriate that I do so with a time bomb accompanying me. So if you will uh, allow me. So MacGruber. You have Titans of SNL. You have, uh, it's it's a hater, correct? And it's Kristen Wiig. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't do research on this before, by it's, the way, because I didn't. It's,
0: fort- it's forte. Forte, forte. Forte, not forte. hater. Forte. Thank you.
1: And, and Kristen Wiig. And um, the, they're ridiculous. It is a um, spoof off of MacGyver, which at that point had already been off the air for like 15 years. My favorite McGruber is the one with Betty White, where she plays his Nana, and over the course of them having near-death experiences, profess their love. For each other, and everyone is just horrified at this 80 year old grandmother. And there it is. I love it. So, uh, with that being said, let's go to some votes. Ama, where are you? I really like Ambiguously Gay Duo. It
0: again falls in, like it does with Carissa, it falls in my sweet spot of SNL. But the degree of difficulty on something like MacGruber, where it is so bound to time, it is fascinating to see, again, on a live show, how to pull that off. And I also feel like this is my best opportunity to express deep appreciation for will forte who i don't think is someone whose genius was appreciated on snl he's done some wonderful stuff since um has played abe lincoln so many times and it never stops being bad he's been him as a lego he's been him as a clone he's been him as um, george washington's best friend in america the motion picture which if you haven't seen it please watch it um i really 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 enjoy him he's one of my most underrated snl alum favorites and Again, what he's managed to do with MacGruber over such a long period, like multiple sketches and a movie and a TV show. And it's so dumb and it just keeps going. Like, I got to I got to give it to MacGruber.
1: Giving it to MacGruber. Uh Derek, where are you? Yeah, I'm actually thinking on it. I Like, I feel like
2: MacGruber is Will Forte's legacy on SNL. Like, I'm struggling to think of other iconic characters of Will Forte's Tim Calhoun. I was actually sad he didn't oh, make it to the 32. Tim. But no, I, I think I give it to McGruber in this one.
3: Okay. Jim. I, I'm also uh, on McGruber. I think that's uh, it, it does a lot. And uh, maybe if it. Moves forward. I have more to say about that because we did the same joke in part one, yeah. and I kind of, <laughs> I kind of just rambled off a bunch of facts. So I have more to say too.
1: <laughs> and here's the thing: if there's anything, again, life imitating art, uh, it's the same joke over and over again. I'm a Gruber, so, and it's so feel good. If, mm-hmm. it, if, if it advances, it should we do the joke
3: again? For
1: <laughs> you know, let's talk about that during the break. Um, but uh, yeah, so the only other thing I will say, I, I love the ambiguity duo. Stumped really hard for round one. But I think Ama made the excellent point, this is the Saturday Night Live <laughs> recurring character debate. And so having cartoons make it into the, is it Elite Eight at this point? Yeah. Seems a little bit like skirting the rules. So I think it's it, it's probably correct that McGruber advances here. But good job, Chris, And I'm glad that Ace and Gary could introduce you <laughs> into the wonderful world of maybe... Homosexuals? Who can say? Um, What's fisting? Right. What's up? <laughs> oh, we'll talk over the break. All right. And that is the end of round two. We're going to take a quick break and check out Stefan's latest NYC club recommendation. We will be right back after these messages.
4: Hey, squirrel friends, Curtis
3: here from The Great Pop Culture Debate. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the podcast. But did you know, much like RuPaul's Drag Race, if you're not a Patreon supporter, honey, you're only getting half the story. Our patrons at the $5 level gain access to exclusive content for each episode, where the debaters go from the top 32 competitors down to the sweet 16. It's like a whole bonus episode for each topic. So if you love our content and want more of it, head to patreon.com
1: backslash great pop culture debate and become a Patreon supporter today. And we are back for round three of our best Saturday Night Live Recurring Character Debate. Before we get to the Elite Eight, I want our panelists to share their social media so you can follow them the way Wayne and Garth follow Heather Locklear. Shwing! Ama, how can people find you? And also, what are you working on?
0: So the best way to find me online is Instagram. I'm at AmaMarfo. All those letters in that order. No punctuation. Uh, What am I working on? I recorded a half hour of comedy earlier this year, and that is now available. So if you like anything that I brought up here, I can do it for half an hour straight, and I suggest you watch it.
1: (laughs) You better work. Where can people watch
0: it? Uh, It's on YouTube, and it's also embedded on my website, AlmaMarfo.com.
1: You heard it here, folks. Future Saturday Night Live cast member, Ama Marfo. Oh, the writing uh, schedule would take me out.
0: But happy to, host. Happy, <laughs> happy to host. host.
1: happy to host. That's a good solution. Thank you, Ama. Derek, where can people find you, and what are you working on? Uh,
2: New York's hottest <laughs> club is Mastodon, <laughs> um, which is, incidentally, where you can find me, and the only social media where you can find me right now, and I am on Mastodon as at DRKMKT. Um... Apparently, I'm working on a really killer Stefan impersonation that I need to be curating. I don't, yes, what yes. I got going on. So,
1: absolutely, get that Ed Hardy shirt ready, uh, Jim. How can people find you? What do you? Um, well,
3: on? on Twitter, it's at jczad, and you can ask Bob or Derek where how to get to me on Mastodon if I ever open that up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's there.
3: Um, but yeah, what am I working on? I'm working on this episode about SNL reoccurring characters, and yeah. I don't know. That's it.
1: <laughs> um, he's I don't think he knows this but he's also working on the great pop culture debate oh, yeah. 100th episode spectacular right. yep. uh, clip show which will be coming out in the fall because we are mm-hmm. hurtling towards our 100th episode yep. and we're going to do that Simpson style uh, with with all of the greatest <laughs> hits from from our past awesome. whatever how many years it is now so thank you Jim <laughs> Carissa where can people find you and what are you working on
4: um, mostly just on Instagram at Carissa class but if you want to argue with me on the internet you should become a patreon and join our discord i'm very active there constantly talking about all the things usually really terrible reality television which i marathon while i do my sewing i'm currently working on a blazer which is trying to do me in but i won't let it happen (laughs) you won't
1: because you're a superstar (laughs) all right and you can find me at Eric Resniak on Twitter and Instagram that's E-R-I-C-R-E-Z is in Zebra, S is in Snake, N as in Nancy Y-A-K, or you can just message the at Great Pop Culture Debate account on Instagram or at GPCD on the Mastodon with that being said, let's move on to round three before the church lady starts breaking it down for Jesus <laughs> matchup one, it's ultimate number one seed Wayne and Garth which is up against two seed the Spartan cheerleaders before before we actually get into uh oh derek's shaking his head did i get something wrong
2: no i just i i feel bad for the spark
1: cheerleaders <laughs> in this okay up. so before we get into the votes we're gonna break it down wayne and garth style so just imagine me and your camera saying and we're doing it in five four three <laughs> Alma,
0: how you voting I know every word to Wayne's world. I cannot not give it to Wayne and Garth.
1: <laughs> all right. Uh, Derek, where are you on this one?
2: Yep, I'm with Wayne and Garth on
1: this.
0: <laughs>
1: Jim. I hope
3: all the listeners enjoyed that visual joke we just did.
1: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed wait, minute! Hold on for <laughs>
0: There
3: we go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We went too far back. I don't (laughs) know. We did. We did. Yeah, they're my vote, of course. (laughs) Okay. Carissa.
4: Yeah, the Spartans are used to – Craig and Ariana are used to not making the squad, so it's probably fine. They'll deal with this. Um, I'm with Wayne and Garth here.
1: (laughs) Is how much of it is because they have the car with the um, <laughs> totally. licorice rope dispenser and the roof? Like that's definitely part it? of it mm. for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm not mad about that. Um, I the the so we talked a little bit about our sweet spots with SNL, and I, I think it was Amma who said that apparently, like it's when you were between the ages of, like twelve and like fifteen that's like your golden age of of SNL. Is that correct, Ama? Give or take, yeah, yeah. And so. The Spartan cheaters were a little far off for me on that one. Wayne and Garth were squarely in that. And I will tip tip my hat here and say that going back and doing my research for this episode, I don't know as it stands up. (gasps) It doesn't stand the test of time. Oh, there was one shocked gasp there, but I'm sure we will discuss that more in round four because they are advancing unanimously onto the next round. Next up, uh, one seed Stefan has been checking out hot New York's hottest club winning as it appears that two seed, the NPR lady slash the delicious dish may have run out of their recipe for success. Carissa explain why Stefan and club promoter, homo Simpsons have thought of everything by Pushing him into the final four, I'll see if I can whip up some enthusiasm defense for the delicious dish. I'll have, actually, I'll go first because I'm pretty sure that my gals are going out here. Um, but I, I do want to speak on them. So, um, first of all, I
4: have to do this. I'm Margaret Jo McCullen. And I'm Terry Rialto. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to The Delicious, Delicious Dish on, on National God, Public, Public Radio. Radio.
1: Good job for whoever was repeating that verbatim as it was going on. Excellent job, Abba. Um, First of all, I have to say, I don't know who wrote these scripts, but whoever came up with the names Terry Rialto and Margaret Jo McCullen for NPR hosts deserves an Emmy just for that because it is. Perfection. The only thing better would be the discussion of a of a tote bag, right? Like that is that's yes, that is yes. it. That's that's the aesthetic. Um, this is Anna Gasteyer and Molly Shannon to perfection. Doing the deadpan good times. Yeah, you're really funny. You're really funny too. Did you work on that last? Actually, I worked on that last year after Brand Fiber Day, and I've just I've been sitting on it this whole time. Yeah. Good times, like it is. I'm not doing it anywhere close to justice. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's two people is what makes it funny, and you have Anna Gasteyer kind of being the de facto dom top, and Molly Shannon being kind of. <laughs> <laughs> stuff. Um, but they work so well together. But what makes the delicious dish magical on top of all that stuff is it has not one, not two, but at least three iconic episodes deploying <laughs> guest stars in brilliant fashion number one obviously has to go to Alec Baldwin and the Shreddy Balls episode mm-hmm. which was so successful and transcended pop culture so much it became a Ben and Jerry's ice cream, ice cream flavor oh my God, let's That's talk amazing. about that <clears throat> and then in what I consider to my this day to be the best like standard of an SNL episode the Betty White episode I know and I can see Ama like recoil in horror as I said that but the Betty White episode where uh, it was her muffin. Dusty Muffin <laughs> (laughs) yes uh and and talking about how oh oh no i haven't had my cherry for quite some time Um, all of the double entendres with baking and it just it is it's low-key but it is hilarious the entire time I, i i defy you to find a bad delicious dish skit even if they're not spectacular they're never bad so that's my argument for the delicious dish with that being said i'm going to put it to votes because i think stefan is going to sweep this ama
0: i love npr i was in the car today listening to npr and it was the pledge drive and i was like oh i have to pull over and donate to the pledge drive before i remembered <laughs> you're a sustaining member you gave already um, <laughs> and yet despite that you can't not give it to Stefan. It's been so impactful. It's so good. I gotta give it to Stefan.
1: He's been awake for three days straight. You <laughs> have to give
0: him
2: the
1: credit, Derek. He needs the win. He, he needs it. He he does, Derek.
2: <sighs> yeah i I love the NPR ladies. I they're just they're so iconic. But the writing on Stefan hmm. is just chef's kiss chef's kiss and we'll talk more about that later because oh my god it just it's so good
1: jim
3: i'll agree with that too that the writing is great on both of them really but like stefan goes other places than just the double entendre i think so um i agree with derek with that one
1: carissa
4: yeah both of these have really great Vocal yes. things that are happening, like the delicious dish whisper, and then Stefan and his covering his mouth, and all of the things. <laughs> um, but I'm with Stefan here. Good time. <laughs> Um,
1: we are going to then advance Stefan. The NPR ladies, uh, their pledge drive has ended. Next up, it's a matchup between uh, unexpected juggernaut eight seed Brian Fellow Safari Planet, which is up against completely expected juggernaut Linda Richmond and Coffee Talk. Uh, we're gonna start backwards order with Carissa. Where are you voting here?
4: Uh, I spoke a lot about Brian Fellow earlier. I really, really, really love him. I love. Tracy Morgan. I love the like way that these sketches start out really reasonably. And there's like a layer of humor with the just sort of, (laughs) I don't know, innocent slash lack of education of the host that devolves into absolute absurdity with the imagined things that the animal guests are saying to him in his head. (laughs) Um, But I have to go with Linda Richmond here just for the staying power. But I just Tracy Morgan with the lip gloss (laughs) deserves to be here. And I'm so glad he made it this far.
1: His lip gloss be cool. His lip gloss be <laughs> popping. Poppin', yep. That's right, Jim. Where are you? I think
3: even uh, even Brian Fellows would be surprised that he's made it this far, but uh, <laughs> against Linda Richman. Uh, but I, yeah, I think again, thinking of classic iconic characters, Linda Richman's the way to go.
1: Derek you have to ask my opinion (laughs) i'm nobody
2: i am nobody my vote is for barbara jones Streisand.
1: (laughs) (laughs) wrong episode that was in season six um i'm a marfo where are you i put
0: on lip gloss so i could stump for brian fellow again i just i think it's I love Linda Richmond. I love Mike Myers. Um, I'm Canadian. We have to, or they kick you out uh, and I need that passport for traveling purposes. Um, but again, like Tracy Morgan, such a special talent as it pertains to like the SNL universe. This is the last best opportunity to speak on his behalf. And Brian fellow, I think is like the peak of his powers in the sense of like, there are jokes where people break, and you can kind of get the sense of like they're not – like they're, they're out of control of the situation. Tracy Morgan never locked in the whole time. Just mm-hmm. as he was making other people dissolve into giggles, he's like, <laughs> this is what I'm here to do. And again, like it's just – in so many ways, it kind of feels like Tracy Morgan, the person, actor, mm-hmm. and Tracy Morgan, like the character – like seamless mm-hmm. – Mm -hmm. He buys what he's doing, and I think that Mike Myers does as well, obviously, with Linda Richman, but there's just something so special about how those sketches come together and what he brings to it. So I do not expect to win this, (laughs) but I do want to speak on his behalf. I know what I'm beat.
1: Again, I find it amazing that this bracket worked out the way we have two talk shows up against each other, and why was Linda Richman not a guest on Safari Planet, (laughs) and why was brian not a guest on coffee talk mm-hmm. i don't know if we ever got to the east coast or not but linda's a like guest she hear... would
0: be like oh my god don't let that thing be exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly so i am also going with linda richmond here but an excellent defense i think brian has had a hell of a run uh we've got to be pleased with that but he's up against the uh sweater sweater bedecked juggernaut that is linda richmond who will be advancing into our final four is that right? Mm-hmm. Um and in our final Elite Eight matchup, it's four seed Mary Catherine Gallagher versus three seed McGruber. And I know that Jim wanted to make some actual arguments for McGruber. And maybe we won't put the timer on this time so you can actually give your because I, I was just literally off the cuff last round, folks. That was just me think I didn't have any notes. But Jim, why don't you talk a little bit about McGruber and your your argument?
3: Yeah, timer or not. I have a couple of things uh, to think about. What are the kind of the biggest problems with an snl skit um they're sometimes too long and they hardly ever really know how to give it a solid ending like a lot of a lot of skits often kind of peter off or they do some weird thing at the end and mcgruber kind of set out to fix both of those skillfully like okay it's a minute minute and a half skit that it has this timer, this bomb. And it happens a couple times throughout the show instead of it being a long skit. Um, and so I think in terms of just thinking about it on SNL, that was kind of a, a little bit of a reinvention of what could be done on that show. Um, and then for me, I haven't seen the Peacock show. I don't, I can't imagine it as a full episode. Like I, I, I see it as that, like the, that quick moment. Cause they, you know, he dies every time afterwards. Um, but I I think that's one thing I would put one other idea out there though. Is he a very thin parody of MacGyver, so therefore he doesn't even belong in this bracket.
1: Hmm. But MacGyver wasn't a real person. So I think uh, okay. We're okay.
3: That's okay. All right.
1: I mean, I don't think MacGyver's, no, Macgyver. No, no, no. I'm just thinking about all think... the other, par-
3: <laughs> our other parodies. Yeah, like our our Alex Trebek's and stuff. I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah.
1: So I think we're okay. fine. Uh, all right. Does anyone need to make an argument for Mary Catherine Gallagher, or do we feel confident making? Okay, so I'm going to start with uh, Carissa. Where are you on this one?
4: I'm still with the um, monologues of Mary Catherine.
1: <laughs> okay, Derek. Sometimes I like to stick my hands underneath
2: <laughs> and smell them like this. um oh Yeah, Mary Catherine Gallagher.
1: <clears throat> Ama,
0: I am still with Mary Catherine Gallagher, and I want to bring a not a counterpoint because I absolutely agree with Jim about like. The McGruber structure very much does fix two things that are significant problems with SNL. Um, And I think in that regard, it kind of made its mark on the form. Uh, To me, in addition to having Mary Catherine Gallagher be in that sweet spot of when I loved SNL, I also think that was maybe a second golden age for women on the show. Yes. Like through most of the 80s, like post the initial female cast, they really didn't have an opportunity to kind of lift women up and what Molly Shannon was able to do, what Anna Gasteyer was able to do, what Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, like so much of it stems from... That sketch and kind of realizing you could make a woman a star on that show so it's so hard for me like i love mcgruber and i've argued assiduously in its favor several times up to now but i can't ignore that piece of it and like so many people so many women i know that do comedy myself included figured out that they could be good at it because of that era of snl led by molly shannon
1: that is such a good argument, Ama, because I'm trying to think from the 80s. So after the OG cast members, when you had your Jane Curtins and you had your Gilda Radners, after that, what were breakout skits that starred women who were playing women? Julia yes. Duffy had Pat, which I'm not going to count for this. Um what else i mean linda richmond was not a man it was a man playing a woman what other breakout sketch sketches did they have the gap girls were men playing women yeah like that's a remarkable commentary that literally there
0: was a tremendous drought and then Mm -hmm. that mid-90s cast showed up with such strong women and paved the path for other women to like come in and crush Mm -hmm. it
1: Absolutely, and I would argue even now. I think the women are the ones that are running that show, and they have mm-hmm. been for a while—from Weig to McKinnon, and now I feel like it's really multiple. Of, the women are f- by and away the strongest numbers. Heidi, of the Ego, coast.
0: Chloe's getting up there. Like yep. it's it's just going to keep going. Even somebody but, like Sarah, who's so unconventional, like my God, she's shaking things up in such cool ways
1: absolutely so yeah completely agree what a pendulum shift and thank you for bringing that into the conversation <laughs> so i believe that is mary catherine advancing mcgruber had a good run his time has expired with <laughs> that we have our final four we're going to take a quick break to check in on our, our dear friend paul baldwin who is in boca raton recovering from the spielkis and his connected is going we will be right back after these messages <laughs> And we are back with the final four of our best SNL recurring character debate. At this point in the show, I always like to take a step back and look at our final four and see if it's what we expected to happen. We have one seed Wayne and Garth versus one seed Stefan and then two seed Linda Richmond versus five seed Mary Catherine Gallagher. I think a lot of us were surprised that a Mary Catherine Gallagher was a five seed. That seems very far down for her. Uh, And they were asking what the one seeds were in those bracket. And it was Debbie Downer who went out and ran one and it was uh, the other one was who did we say
2: the church lady yeah
1: the church lady who got her her day in the sun but um, took her little what are those motorized chairs that they have, they have that they, yeah that's what I always think of um, so it's an interesting final four uh, we do have one actual woman one man in drag and then uh, one straight man playing gay and uh, two guys in mullets. So um, <laughs> I don't think it's a win for diversity, but I'm not sure that mm. historically SNL mm. has been a win for yeah, diversity. So let's accurate. just say that. That's, that's a whole yeah. other podcast unto itself. And let me <laughs> tell
0: you what, I have a lot to say.
1: I bet. And I think it needs to be said at some point. But let's start into these debates. One seed Wayne and Garth versus one seed Stefan. I'm going to start with Ama, where are you voting?
0: Oh curse this early alphabet name of. I, um, <laughs> I love Wayne's World so much it's one of my very favorite things like I mentioned I know every word of the first movie most of the words of the second one I went to a live reading of the script in LA for Volsterfest one year where Tia Carrera front, fronted a band that was crucial taunt so all the songs were oh, in it as well and it was amazing, amazing. but at the same time The mythology of Stefan, not just in terms of, like, what they've created for him, but also kind of, like, how he came to be and the playfulness of it in the writer's room and all the small, like, Easter eggs about it. Like, again, I think Wayne and Garth have come to exist outside of the realm of SNL, and at least for now, because we don't have a Stefan movie or anything (laughs) like that, it was this really special thing that was, like, the length of Bill Hader's tenure, that coincided with the length of John Mulaney's tenure, and if we're talking about SNL recurring characters, I can't not bring it forward. So I am surprised by what I am saying, but I think I'm going to go for Stefan over Wayne and Garth.
1: All right, Derek, where are you on this one?
2: I think I'm in the same boat. And I think that there was an ease to them bringing back Stefan as many times as they did. It was like, there was a formula. It was always followed, but it was always hysterical. And, I think that Wayne and Garth have a longer history of cultural cachet, but I do think Stefan is the right pick here.
1: Okay. Uh, Jim.
2: I'm really stumped
3: here. Um, Is there anything to be said about the Weekend Update aspect of it? Like you have a skit versus a character that just is. Um, Sure. And I don't know a way that sways my vote, really, because that's just <laughs> yeah. a difference I'm noticing. Um, and also, when I think of Wayne and Garth, I think so much more of the movies. Again, like you were, Eric, saying, it was just at the time of our life that, that those came out, and they're much more fleshed out there. So, I mean, do we judge it just on the SNL skits versus what came after?
1: I think you have to have your own individual rubric, and I think um, that's going to change for each one of Mm -hmm. us. You know, Uh, for me, I would say I'm I'm taking into account what happened with the characters outside of the SNL universe. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, we're talking about best character here, not best skits. True. Right? So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. which characters are better? Right,
3: well, and I think my vote is for Stefan. Then, actually, again, surprising, but true.
1: Carissa,
4: excuse yeah, Carissa. me. A baking powder. <laughs> like I, I think Stefan is funny. It's great. Um, if you're talking about breaking character, Hater never made it through without breaking. He broke every single time. <laughs> But it was because they were changing the – they the writing was never final until he was reading it off the cue cards. Yeah. So, like, yes, he is sort of the audience there. Um, but Wayne and Garth, they took – so the, the movies, which I – they're on HBO right now. I watched Wayne's World 1, like, two nights ago. It holds up, let mm-hmm. me tell you. I don't know what you're saying, Eric. Those are fighting words. <laughs> but um, – It's so fantastic and it really does just extrapolate what's already there in the sketches. If you watch this, which I did, if you rewatch all the sketches, like there's one where Aerosmith is there. Like it's so great. They're in Wayne's basement and doing their cable access television show, which is such a running theme for the successful repeating sketches, I think of the nineties. Um, it gave us so many things to get. There's always the extreme close-up bit for absolutely no reason. Um, there's so much cultural slang here. Swing, um, not no way, way. Um, and monkeys might fly out my butt. Uh, a homo says what? <laughs> <laughs> like oh, all of it, all of it. And you have Wayne's iconic hat. Garth is always wearing a flannel. Um, it's Aurora, Illinois, but they somehow make it be both small town, but with access to big city things. I mean, in, in Wayne's World 1, they're backstage at Alice Cooper, um, and having a really intelligent conversation about how Milwaukee is really Milwaukee, and it was a Native American term. <laughs> and it's just, also, there's, that's what she said, jokes. Um, and so, and like, they... So the skits, they often do um, a lot of, like, Oscar things, like talking about best films, or they'll do, like, a a top ten, yeah, yeah, countdown, Um, and usually they're, like, really dumb answers with one occasional, like, very philosophical commentary from Wayne about like, you know, the, the, um, the nature of capitalism and, in, in you know, society these days and how it's ruining this and then how they pick someone else. Cause she's hot, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's highbrow, lowbrow altogether. It's a Buddy thing. They have an iconic car, the Mirthmobile, with the licorice dispenser built into the roof. Um, The films are fantastic. The first one is their cable access show being purchased by a conglomerate and then milked and exploited, and also cleaned up in a way. Like the Mm. the theme song is very like weird and like Wayne's world like very overproduced the second one they're putting on a music festival which is where they have to um, dot the lowercase j's um, on their application form like there's so much kind of sight gags small things they're often breaking the fourth wall and talking directly to Mm. the camera there's moments this doesn't happen so much in the sketches but in the films but there's moments where like Garth is very uncomfortable and there's there's a look over there and he runs away from the camera. Um it's so fun. There's Tia Carrere. Uh it's just there's so much here and also I'm part of that generation. This was in my sweet spot. I learned Bohemian Rhapsody and how to headbang oh, in the car from this film. Um I cannot overstate the cultural importance of that for a twelve-year-old, it was huge. So Wayne and Garth get my vote, and I, I mean, I just repeat, excuse me, uh, baking powder for those of you choosing Stefan over this.
0: So, Does it matter if um, I change yeah, right. my vote? It no, change uh, your vote.
1: Change your vote. <laughs> it could matter but let me say this number one the way that I said clap for Derek for his defense of Lindner Richmond in the previous round clap for Carissa and her defense of Wayne's World I love them
4: with my whole heart
1: Epic, great job. There is actually a clapping thing somewhere on this soundboard, but I I can't I can't find it. I I I mean, are you worthy? This is the question. That's a great question. So here's where I'm gonna say so I agree with any number of the arguments you just made, Carissa, that um we are talking about the characters, so whatever happens in the movies that spun off of SNL are still relevant. It's still, ver- uh, it's still, what do they call it, germane to the discussion. My argument is that the actual SNL sketches featuring Wayne and Garth have not aged well at all. I went back, I watched them. It was dull. It was long. It was... Sophomoric humor, and I get part of the term. And you're completely right about this. You're completely right about this. It is the mix of lowbrow and highbrow, right? It's mostly lowbrow with the flex of highbrow to make you think, "Oh no, actually, there's something here." Um, but I just, I sat there and I was like, "Woof." Like, in the 90s, this was such a part of our DNA, especially for teen boys. Like, their identities were based off of Wayne and Garth the way that young gay men have their identities based off of Drag Race now. I really think that's true. Um, It it really transcended television. It became uh, part of the grunge aesthetic, right? But... I would argue that it is so cemented in that time that in the 2020s, it loses a lot of that power. It seems very outmoded and a little bit cringy. Um, that being said, you made such compelling arguments. And I can't make super great arguments about Stefan to <laughs> counter that because Stefan is essentially Mad Libs done for SNL. And he also has not aged super great from a, like social justice perspective Mm -hmm. you cannot make the jokes about little people the way stefan did every week there were trans jokes that were thrown in there there were a lot of jokes that like at the time we all laughed at them and they are still like things like i I, i'm not going to deny that i when i was rewatching the stefan stuff talking about the human (laughs) parking cones that i didn't laugh i totally (laughs) laughed but i laughed knowing that i shouldn't right Mm -hmm. and that's not that old so i don't know if you could do a stefan movie now and there's also the argument to be made this is a straight man who's playing gay and is kind of playing it um a little bit offensively in some ways although i know that's not the intention and other the attention is purely positive
4: i think i can't make go go ahead for Wayne. so i've never been a teen boy um but there's things about wayne and garth that still resonate with me because they they as much as they're like shwing and talking about women and how they look, they really elevate them. They there's something about women that they love and respect, and you know Wayne as a partner is pretty good actually. Um, it, it, I don't know. There's some stuff that's really sweet, and I think that the sketches actually do hold up. Like they're making Oscar picks of a time that's definitely you know 20 plus. Let's not date ourselves years ago. Um, But they're funny and they're still kind of relevant. And I mean, as much as you say it's kind of grunge era, I think it's really more of like hair metal stuff um that's with the crossover with grunge because there is you know garth and his flannel but like they're sort of the more um intelligent part of the hair metal end of the 80s which i think i don't know there's something about there's like more soul there than you expect there to be and i think that does hold up over time
1: i'm getting two Go ahead, Alma. I was going to say that I
4: have two points
0: of order, which we didn't really define from the beginning, which I have to imagine is making our situation more challenging now. When we talk about a recurring character, do we mean that within the context of their sketches exclusively? Mm. Because I do think Mm -hmm. that if we're talking about things that have been adapted, Wayne and Garth's move from those sketches, which may hold up, may not, into what they turned into in the movies is probably the best move That has happened. Mm -hmm. Like, those movies hold up beautifully, especially in terms of, like, how you might feel about how they treat women in the sketches versus how they treat women in the movies. Like, that part, I think, is one of the best pieces of it. And I think the other piece of it is we didn't really have that conversation about are we thinking about this sketch within its original cultural context or with eyes that we have Mm -hmm. right now? We never define that either. So I do think that like there are cringy pieces of both elements of this, but has that logic been applied the whole time? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. So I don't know that that... Well, I do think that I want to change my vote. I do want to go to Wayne and Garth, but I do also think that those two pieces are making this especially difficult.
3: Yeah, and off of, off of your point, this conversation uh, in the last few minutes reminded me, too, that they, they did a lot on MTV as Wayne and Garth, too. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, one of my favorite things is that I, can't, I turned into the, they had did a top 10 music videos where they did parodies of those as Wayne and Garth. So you have the, like, U2 numb video where he's, like, mumbling, and, like, it's the two of them doing that video. Video and it was like one of the, my favorite things as a kid, honestly, that I had that somehow like taped or something. Um, but looking online, too, they did like some of the MTV awards and they, they showed up as that character in a lot of different places. So I kind of agree with you. And I'm actually switching my vote to Wayne and Garth as well.
4: Party on, Amma and Jim. <laughs> Derek, what are you on this?
2: I It's tough because I, f- I feel like you've all, you've all made good arguments either way. Um, <laughs> which that i think was funnier stefan probably mm-hmm. which had more cultural cachet definitely wayne and garth um and yeah. you know we're not the title of the episode is not funniest snl character the title is not you know which snl characters had the highest cultural cachet <laughs> it's just which are the best characters um i don't i don't know what to do here i mean my my heart is telling me to go with Wayne and Garth. My head is telling me to go
1: with Stefan somehow. Where's your pelvis telling you to go? <laughs> Linda Richmond, and we'll Gary. get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, need to, I need to pick her. I mean, ultimately, it's kind of irrelevant because it's three for Wayne's world regardless. And I actually think Carissa may have swayed me as well. It may be four for Wayne and Garth, mm-hmm. just FYI. But where do you—just I just for posterity, where do you come down on this?
2: I, I'll I'll stick with Stefan.
4: I've never had All a right. prouder moment. Let me just say <laughs> in the podcast, <laughs> possibly clueless. <I've->
2: mm. <laughs>
1: Perfect. All right, so Wayne and Garth will advance to the final two, and then in our last final four debate, it's two seed Linda Richman versus five seat Mary Kay- Catherine Gallagher. We're going to go backwards in the order, starting with Carissa. Where are you on this one?
4: This one's hard because these are two female characters, one played by a woman and one not. Um, But I am going to go with Linda Richman here just because I think her quote, this is such a like bullshit argument, but I think that her quotable things are smaller and more quotable. Whereas Mary Catherine's are maybe more intellectual, like like the monologues from obscure television movies of, you know, like lifetime movies of real life, true crime things um, are fantastic, but you can't just pull them out of your head versus let me give you a topic. Um, so I'm with Linda Richman and her bejeweled sweaters here.
1: <laughs> bejeweled sweaters, FTW. Jim, where are you?
3: i I agree with the same thing. It's the the approachability eh, to some extent. And so i that I agree. So I'll go with that as well,
1: Derek. I'm assuming your team, Linda Richmond <laughs> somewhere Barbara Jones
2: Streisand is smiling. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, right now. Ama, are you—so just the people at home can't see this. Uh, we had to take a break break because technology hates me. During that time, Derek renamed his screen name Barbara Jones-Dyce, Alma renamed her screen name Mary Catherine Gallagher. I think I have a sense of where you're going here, Alma. but why don't you tell me?
0: Yeah, so where are boxes— close to each other Derek we might be at risk of a physical fight but Bob is between us on my screen um again I just there's so much in the Mary Catherine Gallagher character for me again like sentimentally Mm -hmm. but also I think in terms of the comedy like yes she defines what has now we can like blanket call meme culture in the sense that it's not short things. It's not biteable pieces that you could like easily turn into a Jeff or like quote to your friends. It's a lot of work, but I do think there's something so funny in being able to capture that kind of character the way that she did. Like it's immensely relatable and I like Linda Richmond so much. I love Mike Myers so much. I think he's brilliant. I love so much of what he's done, but I just, I don't have the personal connection to it to be able to put it forward. So again, I lose on this show all the time. I'm not worried about it. I keep coming back. That's on me. But I do think that for me, I had Mary Catherine Gallagher going all the way to the end. And even after having a number of other votes switch, this one would stay the same.
1: All right, so that is currently three for Linda, one for Mary Catherine. I am giving it to Linda Richman myself, which gives us a final two of Mike Myers versus Mike Myers, which if we were doing a best SNL cast member debate, which again could happen at some point in the future, I think that's a very interesting kind of uh, message that we're sending here. But let's go into it. I'm going to start smack in the middle of the order with – Jim, Where are you? Uh, is it Linda Richmond or is it Wayne and Garth?
3: I think it's Wayne and Garth for me.
1: All right. Carissa.
4: I'm with Wayne and Garth all the way. The quotability of it and the uh, incessantness which with which I did quote it in the 90s um, can't be overlooked. So Wayne and Garth all the way. Party on. Ama.
0: <laughs> so – talking about meme culture again i think before we had memes we just quoted Bora and anchorman all the time at each other but before that we quoted yep. wayne's world at each other yep. and there's just so much language like associated with it and were mm-hmm. we to get into a fight about it i don't even have a gun let alone many guns that would necessitate the use <laughs> of a rack so i'm going to give it to
1: wayne and garth yeah zang
2: <laughs>
1: uh derek it's your time to shine
2: yeah, it's funny because I think in my original um, brackets, I had Stefan going up against Linda Richman, and I actually did pick oh. Stefan, surprisingly. Whoa. Yeah. Um, but I I will be delighted to die on Mount Sinai <laughs> with Linda Richman, and I I will go to Boca and diminish. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to die on that hill. I, I will stick with Linda. <laughs>
1: Um, if I had to talk, we, we didn't really touch this much. We, we, we kind of briefly did. Those Wayne's World movies were cultural touchstones. That first one exploded. I think everybody saw that movie in the cinema. And would we have the legion of SNL movies that we had without it? Ama?
0: I have an additional point to make about that. Yes. So there's been yeah. a debate about the Michael Scott, that's what she said, if it was designed to be an original line or if it was something wherein Michael Scott would quote Wayne's World, and it's been decided mm. that Michael Scott would quote Wayne's World, which means in addition to so many other things, we have the popularity of The Office and that line there because of these characters.
1: Mm. It's a meme section, is what's going on. And, uh, yeah, so not only was Wayne's World kind of influencing the actual world it was influencing fictional worlds mm-hmm. in which then would go on to inspire real world events this is getting very meta what but what is wayne's world if not the mix of highbrow and lowbrow so again it's funny how this bracket worked out the way it was supposed to i will um listen i love linda richmond the, the sketches are hilarious um but i i Even if I don't care for the sketches of Wayne's World themselves on SNL, I cannot deny the power of the characters. So I will throw my vote to Wayne's World. And there you have it. Our pick for the best SNL recurring characters is, actually are, Wayne and Garth. Do you agree? Do you think, did we leave you thinking, yeah, right? Tell us how you really feel by leaving a comment on this episode at greatpopculturedebate.com or find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or Mastodon. While you're there, make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast so you can hear about what new debates are coming soon vote in open polls, and even decide which topics we tackle next. If you really enjoy this episode, please take a minute to like and rate the episode on the, of the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen on. I want to say thank you to my panel, you are my ready for primetime players, and thank you for listening. If you loved what you heard, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where you can get even more exclusive content and get episodes a whole day early. We hope you have a good one, and remember, everyone is entitled to the wrong opinion. And now, as on the time on Sprockets, we meet. Made- Now's the time on Sprockets when we
3: dance. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?